Amen. As Audrey was reading, Keith leaned over and said, just another easy passage for you, Nick. Just easy stuff. If you remember two weeks ago, it was last week or two weeks ago, we were talking about, we hit what? Anger, divorce, lust, hating people. And I joked that it was, you know, real light stuff. Here we are, judge not, good old judging. I, uh, one of the things that drives me, I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this message. I find it so, I never know what to do with this, is when people say, um, when fellow Christians, for instance, will say like, man, the church is so judgmental, or like the church is really hypocritical, or like that person who's a Christian is really judgmental, and uh, you know, I don't participate in church because um, people are, aren't perfect, I guess, is where that kind of goes, you know, like I, I don't join because the people aren't what I expected them to be, and I can understand to some degree, you know, as Christians, we're called to live out the love of Jesus, there's a this sense in which we're, we're seeking to put off our sin and our sinful habits and grow in Christ. And so there's meant to be a movement in sanctification, right? Like there's meant to be a growing up that happens. But even as Al mentioned this morning, we're not here because we think we're perfect. We're here because we're sinners recognizing our need of God's grace. And so naturally, when you get a bunch of people together, like we're going to disappoint each other. Like it's just kind of normal, right? And yet for some reason when we're in church and people get hurt, which just, it happens, and I'm not, saying, I'm not saying it's okay that it happens, but I'm saying it's naturally going to happen, where two or three are gathered, there is conflict, we sometimes joke. Yes, Jesus is there in the midst, but there's also issues that happen. And so sometimes uh, people get upset when the church isn't being the church the way we think the church should be. And you know what? I totally understand that. I've been hurt by the church before, to the church. Um, the thing to remember when you ever think, I've been really hurt by the church, the church hasn't been the way I thought it should be, is to ask, well, what was their name? Who was it, really? Because it's one thing to just sort of generalize and say, well, the church did this, and uh, kind of leave it at that. But in doing so, we're sort of being judgmental towards actual individuals who maybe had nothing to do with the issue, you know? Instead, who were the people that actually hurt you? Can you extend forgiveness to those people? Can you try and work it out with those people? They have names. They're not just the church. They're people. But it's easy to be judgmental, and it's easy to slip into this sort of criticism. Uh, some of us don't take correction too well. I have trouble sometimes receiving correction. Um, sometimes it's a matter of terminology, and you'll hear this, don't be judgmental, um, that's just my opinion, that kind of thing. I'm not going to call someone out on something because I don't want to be judgmental. And Jesus says don't be judgmental, so let's not be judgmental. Everyone just be okay, and we'll all be happy, right? This is all good. But... The issue here with judgment is more about condemning. That's kind of what's going on here. So Jesus says, don't, don't have this sort of condemning attitude where you're kind of being in God's place, where you're basically dishing out judgment and saying, well, this person is like this, therefore such and such. When really, we don't know what's going on between them and their hearts and the Lord. We don't know that. And I often say, even as with people who have passed away, and, and maybe we don't know where they were at in a, in a relationship with Jesus. I don't know what happens in those final moments between them and the Lord. I'm not the one to judge in that case where they are or what their eternal destiny is. That's not my call. I can't judge that. That's, that's up to them and the Lord to figure out. That's, uh, <laughs> that's not my, my call to judge. 
I think sometimes we can take a passage like this about the judge not, and we can take it too far. And one of the examples I thought of was sometimes we actually need to be like wise and discerning, and that can feel like judgment, but it's not. Um, so often there's uh, different transients, hitchhikers, uh, different ones who come to the church because we're on the highway. I've mentioned this at different points, and, and those of you who've been here for a long time know this. And they'll come in, like they'll come down the driveway. Sometimes we see them ahead of time. We're kind of waiting at the door for them, you know. And uh, whoever's receiving them, often it's me, sometimes it's Brian or it's uh, Kim. Um, We have to make what we would call a judgment call, right? We have to decide in that moment, um, what do they need? Are they okay? Uh, There's others in the building. I need to make sure they are safe and protected, especially with the school, Right, So we have protocols in place of how we do that well. So the kids are fine. We don't need to worry about that. Um, Are they a danger to themselves? Are they a danger to other people? Do I need to phone the police? Right Now, am I being judgmental towards them? Ideally not. I'm not trying to be condemning, but I do need to make a judgment call about what's best in this situation, not just for them, but for others as well. And actually, in discerning that and judging I'm actually seeking to love them well. It's the same sort of thing that would happen if I seriously judged my son's desire to run out into the road. Right? If he goes running into the road, I will judge him. Sorry, I won't condemn him, but I'm going to call his behavior into question. I'm sorry. There are cars coming. You will get hurt. This is bad. I don't care what your opinion is. It's just bad. You will get hurt. Have I judged him? Potentially, I've evaluated him for sure. Have I condemned him to eternal damnation? No, he's fine. There's a difference there, right? There's a difference. Not all discerning is judgmental in terms of condemning. I think that's what Jesus is getting at here. Don't be condemning with your words. And so much of this comes down to how we deliver what we need to say, right? When, when I'm dealing with someone at the front door... There's a way for me to say, get out of here, you're useless, we hate you. Probably not the best, right? Slightly judgmental. No, you guys are like, oh, yeah, no. Yeah, probably not the best. But if I say, listen, here's what I can do. This is as much as I can do. I'm sorry, I can't do more. You know, that changes everything. A lot of this, and a lot of the Sermon on the Mount, as we've been walking through this passage, is about our own attitudes, What goes on in our heart as we deal with other people? And that's what Jesus is getting at here as well. We're called to speak the truth with love and grace, but that doesn't mean we don't discern between good and evil. Too often, I think we mistake any disagreement with a person as being judgmental towards them, especially if the person um, isn't used to having some sort of constructive dialogue. Anytime a, a word kind of comes at them, Sarah and I know someone who's like this, and anytime you, you sort of try to maybe push back a little bit on something they say, they just sort of lash out. Like they just can't take it, right? So you have to be like overly, <laughs> overly loving in the way you're trying to communicate this stuff. Um, Rick Warren put it this way, and I think it's so helpful, especially in kind of our own cultural climate right now. He says this. He says, Our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone or someone's lifestyle, it means you fear them or you hate them. The second 
is that to love someone means you must agree with everything they believe or do. Both are nonsense. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. And Jesus isn't saying here that the church can't stand up for righteousness. That's, that's part, of, part of the call. But it's important for us to be careful to delineate, delineate a true love and a compassion for people we encounter um, and the difference between doing that well and just sort of blanketly accepting just every sort of behavior and practice. I mean, if I was totally out of line as a pastor in some way, it would be loving of you to correct me, actually. It would not be loving to just let me do whatever I want, right? In the same way we do this with our children and ideally help each other out in this as well. So can we disagree with someone and still love them and not be judgmental? Yeah! Can we love someone but not agree with everything they say or do or the decisions they make? Absolutely. And if you're, if you're a teenager, you need to hear this. Your parents might not agree with something you want to do. It doesn't mean they don't love you. It's probably because they do love you, right? Probably communicate that in all sorts of broken ways, and it gets lost in translation. But often, that's the, that's the heart's desire. There's a difference between judgment and ridicule, which is a no. Jesus says, don't do that. But there's a difference between that and a wise, loving discernment, which speaks the truth and is communicated with love to the person. So let's look again at, at what Jesus' words here are. If you've got a Bible, Matthew 7, verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The idea is that if you take on a kind of critical, ridiculing attitude towards people, people will likely be like that back to you. So, like, don't be surprised, right? <laughs> like, if you're going to be kind of a meatball to somebody, they will probably be a meatball back. They will, you know, they'll probably, they'll probably dish it out just as well as you dished it to them. And don't be put out because you probably had it coming, right? That's basically where that's, where that's getting to. But then he uses this great analogy, and this is worth pausing on for a bit. He says, why do you see the speck in your brother's eye but do not notice the log or the plank sticking out of your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Every time I've imagined this, I always think of two guys talking and someone's got the plank and they always turn to see the guy and clonk him on the head on their way over like, hey! And that's always the picture I have. And then he's got like sawdust and the other guy's like just taking people out as he goes which is actually kind of the analogy you take people out because you don't even know the kind of attitude you have we need to realize and this is what jesus is getting at here we all have significant issues in our lives we've all got brokenness we've all got stuff and jesus is calling us to avoid a sort of holier than thou attitude and to recognize we all have our own brokenness. We all have our own shortcomings. And it can be very, very hard to acknowledge that. It can be very hard to say, I'm sorry. It can be very hard to ask for forgiveness. It can be very hard um, to say, I was wrong. And yet, these are some of the most important words we can learn to say. And notice what Jesus says in verse 5 here. 
He says, take the log out of your own eye so that you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. He doesn't say, you can't help anybody, right? What he does say is, it's okay to help take the speck out of your brother's eye, actually. It is okay to notice and, and maybe try and address what's going on in someone's life. It's okay to try and do that. But you need to deal with things in your own life as well. You need to be walking in repentance and humility yourself, acknowledging your own shortcomings before you start dishing out you know, your own sort of platitudes and ideas about how everyone else's life should get fixed, right? He doesn't say you can't help remove specks. He says, get dealing with the log in your own eye first. Then maybe you can be helpful to someone else. He doesn't say don't evaluate things that are going on around you. He doesn't say you can't call stuff out in your kids and your crazy teenagers or whatever. But he says do so from a place of humility and repentance, knowing I'm broken just as much as they are. And chances are, there's stuff they see in me that I need them to call out in me too. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't say, don't deal with things in each other's lives. He actually says, come at it. Again, he's dealing with our attitudes. Come at it with a spirit of repentance and humility and live in that place of grace and love. So Jesus doesn't actually forbid evaluation of any kind. He, He calls us to be humble about our own deficiencies. He calls us to recognize our own weaknesses, the places where we are in need. And it turns out that the person who is grieved and humbled about their own sin, recognizing their own brokenness, is actually the sort of person who who is best uh, equipped to help remove the speck from someone else's eye. The person who understands they're a sinner and they're saved by God's grace is actually the person who is best equipped to then extend that grace and hope to someone else. Not because they're somehow better, but because they're just, you realize, I'm just like you. I've been saved by God's grace. I'm broken too. Can I come alongside and help you? You see the difference in attitude, that that is so much more loving and compassionate than being the judgmental, sort of ridiculing kind of person, right? That's what Jesus is getting at here. You can become the sort of person who can help remove specks. And that's like a gross thing, right? Like, let's be honest. How many of us love digging around in someone else's eye? It's kind of grim, right? Like, it's kind of weird. The other thing I read when I was thinking about this is um, there's been times when my kids have had something in their eye, right? Um, Sometimes you can't see the thing in their eye, but they know it's there. They can feel it. Say it's like an eyelash or something, right? So you're like blowing out their eye, hoping it gets out, doing like the wipe thing, you know, and then they're upset because you did it too hard and, you know, that kind of thing. But sometimes when we, when we work folks to be humble and gracious and repentant in how we deal with people, people sometimes will choose to come to us, to you, and ask you to come alongside and help them. You may not even see the, the depth of the problem or the need yourself, but they're asking you to come alongside and do what you can. And that's a great place to be. You're not the savior. You likely won't pull out the speck, but they've asked you to come alongside and and prayerfully help them in whatever's going on in their lives. And that's a big part of just caring for each other, being present to each other, helping as we can with one another.
What Jesus rules out here is not helping each other, not even evaluating when there is issues in each other's lives, but he's, he's putting our attitudes in check. He's saying the way you treat others is the way they'll want to treat you. So be careful of that. Watch that. How do you want to be treated? With grace and compassion and love, ideally? Then extend that to the people around you. What Jesus does rule out is our pride. A pride that views oneself better than others. A pride that ignores the glaring issues in our own lives. That's the plank eye person, right? But, uh, you know, ignores our own issues but is so ready to tell everyone else what's wrong with their lives. And you probably know people like this. I know people like this. I've probably been like this at some point. This is not a holier-than-thou sermon, you know? This is, we've all, we've all got our own issues. And it's so much easier to see glaring faults in other people than to deal with our own stuff, right? Like, it's so much easier to do that. It takes a lot of humility to, to say, I'm really broken. There's stuff in me that's not great. And then ask the Lord to come and mend those places in our lives. And amazingly, he says, brilliant. As I'm bringing about healing in your life, let me now go. Pull out the plank. Let me now go and try and extend grace to other people. Let me use you to help clear some other people out. And together we'll walk in this. James 4 to 6 says, But he, God, gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Paul touches on this too in Galatians 6.1. He says, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of vengeance. No. In a spirit of gentleness. Right? And again, this gets right back to our attitude. You who are spiritual should restore him. That's the end goal. When we recognize issues in each other's lives, it's not to condemn them. It's not to ostracize them from the community, but ideally to bring about restoration, and we do that through gentleness. Then he says, so this is Paul in Galatians 6.1, he says, keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. And that comes full circle to Jesus' words here. It is easy, again, to see the, the issues in each other's lives, but watch out, there's issues in your life too. Be aware of that. Walk in humility and walk in repentance. So seeing clearly is what Jesus is most concerned about here. If we don't see clearly, we're going to judge others, and we'll be judged as hypocrites with our, with our plank in our eye, right? I think the other thing that's neat is in Jesus' little analogy here, his little parable, everyone's got stuff in their eyes. Like there actually isn't a non-stuff-in-the-eye person. Everyone's got stuff. Everyone's got their stuff. We're all broken. We all need help. We just need to be willing to ask for that help, right? Whereas the, the spec person uh, is looking for help. Plank eye person doesn't even know they have a plank and is just bashing people as they go, right? They don't even know they need help. Busy giving their opinions to others who haven't asked for it, right? I think the other point that Jesus makes here is this. We actually need each other to learn how to see clearly. You can't actually clear out your own eyes all on your own. You do need the loving presence of other people in your lives to help remove the specks and remove the log. It's only the hypocrites that think they can deal with their own issues all by themselves. And that leads to becoming judgmental and dealing damage and all that sort of thing. We're not perfect. And we need to know that's okay. We need to give ourselves the grace to not be perfect. 
Proverbs 10, 17 puts it this way. It says, people who accept discipline are on the pathway to life, but those who ignore correction will go astray. That's humbling, right? Like, okay, thanks, God. It's easy in one hand to think about judgment of other people and, and whether we, we're critical of others, even in our own thought life. You see something, it's just easy to kind of be down on them. But as I was thinking about this passage and thinking about preparing this message, it hit me that actually the person we're often most judgmental towards for many of us is ourselves, isn't it? It's not the other person. We're often most down on ourselves. We're the ones who attack ourselves for not making it. We're the ones who set the bar so high and then criticize ourselves for, for not achieving our goals that we wanted to achieve, right? We're the ones that, that will, uh, we might succeed and do something really well, but we still feel like it wasn't good enough. And so even though people say, hey, you did well, we actually just dismiss it and don't even receive it. And it's just, it wasn't good enough. Um, that's almost like picking up the plank and just putting it back in your eye, I think, in some ways. We can be our own worst enemies when it comes to our own judgmental attitudes. Sometimes we are the worst towards ourselves. We're constantly berating ourselves. Do you know what Jesus says about your enemies? He says to love your enemies. And some of you have, have been your own worst enemy to yourself. So to follow Jesus' call here means to actually learn to love and respect yourself. It means not having a false humility. It means recognizing you're a child of God, just as Al was encouraging us to meditate on who you are in Jesus in that last song. There's a truth to that, that it's easy to forget our own identity and to take on our own issues, our own self-image, problems, the own, our own lies from the enemy, whatever that might be, to be so critical of ourselves that we don't hear God's call on us, that he loves us, that he wants to forgive us, all of that. And judgmentalism, whether it's against ourselves or against others, it'll only breed frustration and anger and sorrow. But loving and grace and compassion, trying to live out the way of Jesus this is God's gift to us, and it's God's gift that we're called to extend to others as well. So what's the remedy then for an attitude of critical judgmentalism? And I think Jesus answers that in verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks, it will be opened. Which one of you, if his son asked him for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked you for fish, you gave him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your own kids, how much more will your Father, who's in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? How do we deal with our own judgmentalism? How do we deal with the issues in our own lives? We ask. We come to God with humility, with repentance, ask him to make us aware of our needs. We come seeking. We connect our prayers to action. We say, Lord, I need you to be the, the savior of my life. I need you to come and deal with these issues. I need you to come and heal the brokenness that I'm dealing with. 
and we knock. There's the sense of continuing to persevere as we strive to follow Jesus. And the call here is to be persistent in prayer and confident that God, who's our Father, is going to look after our needs, give us what's best for us. And the passage ends with the golden rule. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do to them, this is the law and the prophets. You'd think this would come easy, but sometimes it really doesn't. Sometimes it's a struggle to live this out, right? So as we wrap this up, here's the questions for us to think about. Is there an area in your own life where you have a speck, (laughs) you've got a thing going on that you need help to clear out? And if that's you this morning, we're going to take time to pray uh, after I'm done this and ask the Lord to help clear that out in your life, whatever that is, and maybe to bring people alongside you to help clear that out. Or maybe you're the one who's judgmental of others. You feel like you're just constantly critiquing others. Maybe you've Maybe speck eye is not your problem. You have plank eye. It's terminal. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's, it's really bad, though. And you need God to come and just help pull out that thing. And sometimes we are worse, again, I said this earlier, towards ourselves. We're belittling and degrading. We, we're constantly calling ourselves a failure. And Jesus calls us this morning to put that aside and instead to take on his grace and his forgiveness and his joy. So let's check our hearts. How are you towards others? That's what this passage is about, our attitude and our relationships with others. How are you towards others? How are you towards yourself? And let's let God come and renovate us who are all broken and all in need to make us more and more like Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that uh, you care about the details of our lives And you know, Lord, how our attitudes can shape so much of uh, what our days look like, what our work and school feels like, that uh, the attitudes we bring, the the judgmentalism that we can sometimes have towards others, uh, Lord, this can so shape our lives. And so, Jesus, we thank you that you care about our thought life, you care about what goes on in our minds and our hearts. And Lord, you are quick to point out in this passage, we all are broken. We all have issues in our lives. And Lord, we thank you this morning for the cross, that you have come to take away the punishment for our sin and death. Lord, you've come to bring us life and freedom and hope and forgiveness. And so today, Jesus, we thank you for that gift. We walk it out, Lord. We want to not just receive it and know you, but also to live it out. And so, Lord, I pray that as we seek to follow you, that you would show us the ways in which our attitudes shape our lives, the ways in which we are uh, judgmental towards others. And we pray, Lord, that you would heal us, that you would cause us to be uh, loving, grace-filled people, life-giving people. Um, That, Lord, in our marriages, where it's easy to just get nitpicking and downgrading and Um, belittling sometimes towards our spouse. Lord, that you would cause us to extend grace and to have patience and to to recognize we have our own faults just as our spouses have theirs. And Lord, to seek you together, to work together in your love and in your grace. Lord, when we're at work tomorrow and we see that person who's just driving us nuts, 
I pray, Lord, that you would help us uh, not to be like the guy with the plank in his eye, just seeing everyone else's issues and yet forgetting that we also are sinners, that we also are saved by your grace. Lord, as we deal with our kids and, and we deal with uh, family issues and if we go to school and all the different interactions and, of life that we have as we head into this new week, Lord, I pray that you would keep us from being judgmental in the sense of condemning and ridiculing and constantly critiquing. But Lord, would you give us, um, by your spirit, a desire to extend your grace and your hope and your mercy, both to the people we encounter, the people that are hard to love, perhaps especially, Lord, and in that group we also put ourselves. Lord, would you help us to see us as you see us, Lord. Not to be hard on ourselves, but to extend grace to know it's okay that we're not perfect. We're not here because we're perfect. We're here because we know that in you is freedom and life and hope. So, Lord, I pray over uh, my friends here this morning that you would cause a renovation in our hearts, Lord, to know who we are in you as we sang, and in turn to extend that same grace you've shown to us to those around us. Lord, help us to be quick to repent when we have done something wrong. And help us, Lord, to extend forgiveness and grace when people come to us asking for forgiveness. Lord, I pray as a church, you would just knit us together uh, more and more, Lord, in your love and in your grace. And I pray that that would then um, extend out, Lord, into this city as we seek to love, uh, love the people well where you've planted us. Lord, we thank you again for your salvation. And Lord, we lift up some of these, uh, these praise reports, these, these uh, prayer concerns, Lord, of people uh, in, our, in our community. We think of those that, that are going through cancer and uh, various medical issues. Lord, we pray for your healing hand upon each one. Lord, we thank you for uh, those that have shared good reports, Lord, of healing and uh, the doctors being amazed, Lord, of what's gone uh, transpired. Lord, we give you thanks. We thank you, Lord, for this good report that Rob was sharing with me before the service started of rain in Australia and the answer to prayer, Lord, that you have brought rain and uh, that the sense that it was a war has finally come to, come to close and that you've answered prayer. Lord, we pray for these issues in our city. We, we're aware of uh, the different drug issues, and we're aware of the brokenness, Lord, in our neighborhoods and our families. And we thank you for these different agencies that are coming in, Habitat for Humanity and Adult and Teen Challenge, Lord, and we pray your blessing upon them as they seek to extend your grace and your hope. Lord, we pray for the food bank this morning and for volunteers and for the other uh, nonprofits, Lord, in town that reach out and, and address a real need. And Lord, we pray for this situation between the, the schools and the province. And we ask, Lord, for uh, you to give wisdom and direction to all those involved that this, uh, these situations would come to a close. Lord, we look to you for the future of uh, our nation, for our town. And Lord, for us individually, our own families, we pray that you would lead us and guide us by your grace. We thank you, Lord, for your salvation. 
and with the words you taught us, we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me?